All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Luke chapter two. Sometimes it's hard to wind down a year when you're so excited for the year to come. Right. I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited about 2019. Um, And sometimes these seasons, they can feel like, I don't know, they're um, end caps to something. But uh, until Jesus comes back, we have so much to do. Right. And so we we need to be thinking about the life that God is calling us into. We need to be thinking about all that God is preparing for us as a people. And when I think about these these significant times in biblical history, Jesus's birth, Jesus's life, Jesus's death, Jesus's resurrection. When you think about these things, sometimes they can uh, bring this like wide array of, array of emotions or, or wide array of of um, like pin, pinnacle points in, in our walk with the Lord. But when we understand the reign of King Jesus, when we when we understand that that these points in, in our history are all have all passed and are still leading up into the place that we're living today. And that's under the, the reign of our king. And that king's name is Jesus. And so him coming is, 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 is I, I, I think I tell you guys this every year. When you've ever seen that, that, that movie 300, if you haven't, don't go see it. Um, but it, it's, it's a crazy movie. But there's this point when this king in this movie is called King Leonidas. And he passes through these trials to become the king of Sparta, right? And so when he passes these trials... The gates of the nation open and he walks in as this triumphant king and every warrior and every person in the nation takes their knee and bows before this new king. And you have to understand that this is this is what the reign of the kingdom is. The trials of Jesus, and they weren't trials. It was it was Jesus's life that was that was predestined by him and God that he would come to the earth and die for us. This trial, this this hell that he had to endure on the cross is is what opened up the kingdom to him to be seated on the throne where he is king of kings and lord of lords. And so his birth is such a significant part of that. And And I can't ever speak about his birth without speaking of his death because there's this reason why he came. There's a reason why he came. But we're going to look into the traditional uh, reading from Luke 2 of Jesus' birth. And um, last week we spoke about uh, the, the three wise men or the three magi who had this part to play in the nativity story. But here in Luke 2, we're going to see another um, portion and some other characters introduced into this biblical narrative. It says, now in those days, a decree, say decree, decree went from Caesar Augustus, understanding that Israel was, was under Roman Roman imperial rule, right? That a census be taken taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph, and this is Joseph being, being um, Jesus' stepfather on earth. Um, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the family of David. So understanding all those prophetic words that had been spoken over Jesus, that he would be from the line of David, actually came through his father Joseph. Um, In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with David. I'm sorry. 
sorry, engaged with him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first son. Say first son. Just want just some point of uh, clarification. Uh, the Virgin Mary did have other children outside of Jesus. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first son, and she wrapped him in cloth, and she laid him in a manger because there was no room in the end. So we see this, this, this scenario taking place where there's a, a big census that is taking place. Joseph has to take Mary, who was pregnant, about to give birth at any moment, take him to this place so he, they can register for the census that was being ordered by the Roman Empire. In the same region, there were some shepherds, say shepherds, shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord, say angel of the Lord, suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. I don't know about you, but if an angel of the Lord appeared to me, I might be terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, say behold, I bring good news and great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior. A what? A savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen to this, friends, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I mean, this is. This can very easily sound just we can read past it and be like, oh, yeah, that's the Christmas story. Do we understand what is supernaturally taking place here on the earth? When we read the Matthew 5 portion of Scripture where Jesus is giving us the model of prayer that we should pray, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen to this. Jesus says this. Your kingdom come and your will be done. This is what Jesus actually manifested here on the earth. The kingdom of God invading earth in the physical form. And it invaded earth with its king. And what the craziest part about this portion of scripture is, is the world or at the time the Jews were waiting for a king to come, but they were waiting for their king to come in full body armor carrying one of those crazy spears and a sword and and coming to charge through and wipe out the Roman Empire. King Herod and his empire said that the Jews would be established as a mighty nation on the earth. And yet God revealed himself in the form of a baby. In humble means, born in a barn. In a barn and laid... We call, they, they, people call it a manger. It's a trough, a feeding trough. This is what Jesus, this is how he was born. This is how he presented himself to the earth. And, and I don't know about you, but, but sometimes we're expecting Jesus to show up in a way and he actually comes in a different way and we miss it. How many of you have been ever asked God for something like, Lord, can you please reveal yourself in this way? Can you please reveal yourself in this way? And then he reveals himself in another way. And it isn't until later that you actually realize, wow, Jesus did it in, such, in a way that I would have never imagined. 
There was a story, you guys probably heard it, uh, about, this, about this flood, right? The flood comes, there's a person who's trapped on top of the house, and the flood's rising, and the flood's rising. And the person starts praying and says, um, Lord, please help me. Please c- come and send your angels to, to take me off of this roof so that I won't die in this flood. And so this man in a raft comes by, and he's paddling, and he's like, hey, come on, get into the raft. I'm, I'm here to help you. And the person's like, no, I'm waiting for Jesus and his angels. So then this guy comes in a, in a, in a, in a little one-engine motorboat. And he comes by, and he's like, hey, why don't you come off that house? Come on, get in the boat. I'm, I'm here to save you. And the person's like, no, I'm waiting for Jesus and his angels to come and save me from the roof. And then finally, the, the water's rising, and the, and, the, and the person's ankles are, are, are getting wet and about to actually be submerged in water. And then a helicopter comes, right? This helicopter comes and hovers, and it lays it, Sends down one of those, you know, ropes so that they can grab a hold of it and be pulled up into the helicopter and be saved. And the person shoes away the robes like, no, I'm waiting for Jesus and the angels. So eventually the waters came, overcame the person. The person dies. Walks into heaven and has beef with the Lord and says, Lord, where were you? I was on top of that roof and I was praying for you and your angels to come and you didn't come. And Jesus said, man, I sent a boat. I sent a raft. I sent a helicopter. And here's the thing. So many times we're, we're, we're looking for God to show up in ways that we expect him to come. And he, he, he reveals himself in such tangible ways that sometimes it just is too small for us to even think that God will represent himself to us in this way. And Jesus came in the form of a baby. I want you to think about how God has been revealing himself to you. I know we love the thunder and the lightning, right? We love the, we love, yeah, you know, uh, $10,000 comes in the mail. That must be God, you know. But, you know, what if, what if it's, it's $100? You know, what, what if, it's, if God is giving you what you need today? What, what, what if God is just trying to, trying, to, trying to get you to a place where your faith is being stirred so you will look to him, right? I always wonder why, why, why Christians don't win the lottery. I mean, you just think about that. I'm just like, man, I mean, God will do such some good stuff with the money, right? We, at least we think we will. If you got to play to know, but I don't know. Um, so listen, what happens if you had hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars? I mean, would we actually continue to seek the face of God? Just think about that. Think about that. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go, say let us go. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so when the Lord makes things known to us, we need to respond. Say respond. When's the last thing that the Lord has made known to you? When's the last time the Lord has revealed himself to you and how have you responded? You see, a good father consistently speaks to his children. Would you say amen to that? Right? Communication is, is a serious thing for, for, for parents, right? We need to be talking to our kids. I've shared this with you in the past. Uh, I mean, when Vanessa was pregnant with our babies, I, I would speak to them while they were in her, in her womb. I'd be talking to them. It's me. It's your daddy. How are you? I can't wait to meet you. I, can't. I, I was already talking to them. And then when they were born, 
I would speak to them. They have no idea what I'm saying. They still have no idea what I'm saying. But, but, but still, they, we begin to talk to them so that they would know my voice, so they would, they would know like when I'm happy, when I'm not, when I raise my voice or you know, lower my voice. They, they get to know my voice. A good father speaks to his children. Our father is the same way. He speaks to us. He reveals himself to us. He reveals to us in, in, in real tangible ways that we, where we can respond. And so the, 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 the thing that drives every parent's nuts, and you, if you're a parent in the room, maybe you can identify with this, is when your kids don't respond to you. Does that only drive me crazy? No? Right? Or, or you're like, Ezekiel, what? I'm over here. What? I'm over here. Right? It's not only Zeke. I'm sorry, boy. I haven't picked on you in a while. Just, um, a response. Right? God is revealing himself to us. How are we responding? I love their response. Let us go at once. Right? Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. Say hurry. And they found their, their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And this is what I love. So they go and, 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 they, and they respond to what the Lord has said. And when they get there, oh, whoa. What the Lord has said was true. Mary and Joseph were there. And the Savior of the world was born and laying in a manger. And so they begin to confess with their mouth, what the Lord had said to them. Isn't that an amazing thing that we begin to proclaim the things that God has said to us? This is what being a prophetic people is, is we, we proclaim that which God reveals to us, right? We begin to speak the things that God has spoken to us through his word, prophetically through the Holy Spirit. This is what we do as a prophetic people. And this is what the shepherds were doing. And all, listen to this, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Isn't that amazing that God, from, from the birth of Jesus, has used lowly people to proclaim his good news to put people in awe? Does that not mess with you? Shepherds, right? You got to think. Farmers. Can you imagine if a group of farmers, and I'm not talking like, like today's farm, I'm talking like good old farmers were to take cities by preaching the gospel, how we would receive them as city people. Ooh, these honky-tonk people coming over here with overalls and trying to preach some crazy stuff to us. These people were in awe about what was spoken by the shepherds, these lowly men of the field, right? Cowboys. But Mary treasure all... Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> hey, all you guys better look out. Eric's former chargers are on the move. <laughs> but Mary, uh, Mary treasured these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, and this is how they went back. Glorifying, can you say glorifying? And praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. I love when God confirms his word. How about you? Right? Here's some points I want to, um, nailed down for us. Number one, Jesus is the sign. Jesus is the sign that we should be looking for. Jesus is the sign that they were looking for, right? When the Magi saw a sign, the star in the sky, where did it lead them? To Jesus. 
right? When the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherd, who were they leading him to? Jesus. Jesus is a sign. In the past, he had sent angels, he sent thunder, he sent rain, he sent fire. But today, after the birth of Christ, he has sent the sign, and his name is Jesus. We don't have to look to another sign. We don't have to wait for earthquakes, right? You know, the, in, in this country, and especially in the state of California, the most record attendance is set for churches is after an earthquake. Why? Because when the earth begins to shake, people begin to get scared and they know they need Jesus, right? So listen, we don't need earthquakes. We have Jesus. Jesus is the sign. He, he is what is drawing us to himself, right? He is who we're looking for. Say Jesus is a sign. That's number one. Number two, Jesus is the good news, right? Is Jesus the good news to you? Really think about that. Is Jesus good news to you? Because when you have good news, what do you do? Guess what, girl? Right? <laughs> you know what happened, brother? All right, there we go. I, I, I brought the guys involved. All right. All right. Um, so listen, when you have good news, what do you do? You share it. Is Jesus still your good news? Is, no, re, is he really your good news? Because if he is your good news, how often are you sharing it? That's rhetorical. You got quiet. Jesus is still the good news, right? The angels had to tell the shepherds, don't be afraid, right? Isn't that, isn't that crazy how sometimes this, 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 this interaction with God can grip us with fear? Now, there's, there's a fear of the Lord, right? I'm telling you, if God, God's presence is here, but if the manifest presence, I mean, we're talking Old Testament manifest God revealing himself in a flame came into this place. I'm telling you, we would drop to our faces. We would drop to the ground. We see this. All right. We see this in John's revelation. He, he fell over as if he were dead. Right. Uh, I, Isaiah. Right. Was, was like, um, was it Lord, don't hurt me or something like what, what did Isaiah say in his revelation? Come on, scholar. Who's Brett at? Brett, give me some masters of divinity knowledge. I need it. No, just kidding, bro. When God reveals himself, it is a holy moment. And of course, the fear of God is that of reverence and awe. But most of the time, when God reveals himself to us, what we feel fear. Like, it's actually that fear, like, I want to get away from it. When the presence of God comes, when the Holy Spirit reveals himself, it actually attracts people. Like people should want to be a part of it. And we see this is what happens with the shepherd, right? God reveals himself and the shepherds at first are afraid and say, don't be afraid. I have good news. And this good news grips their hearts to where they go and they what? They respond to what's been said. They go and see what's been said. And then what do they do? They proclaim, right? They proclaim what has been told to them. The world is gripped with fear when we mention Jesus. Why? I mean, just think about that. When you mention Jesus in, in your circles, I mean, there's normally really two reactions. Well, there's three reactions. One, a really good reaction. I want what you have. Tell me more. Right? Those God-ordained moments, right? And there's those indifferent, like, oh, okay, thanks. I get it. You know, maybe, maybe they've heard about Jesus, you know, just kind of indifferent. And then there's that third, right, that rejection. 
Like, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about your church and about God and about your Jesus. I don't want to hear about those things, right? This rejection. And, and really, I believe that comes from a place of fear, right? This fear of what? A fear of not knowing. Right? Fear of not knowing the Jesus that you're trying to present to them. Maybe someone had tried to present him in the past and, and, and it, it rubbed them the wrong way. Maybe they came with fire and hell and brimstone to them when they were trying to present the good news and it sounded a whole lot like bad news. I don't know. But that's what happens. When you and I are carriers of this good news, like these, these shepherds were carriers of the good news, people come to a place of awe. They come to a place of saying, you know what, there's something inside of you and the message that you're bringing that I want to grab a hold of. When's the last time that we brought the good news in that way? When's the last time that you presented the good news of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us in a way that people responded and said, I want what you have. I want that good news. I need good news. If you need good news this morning, say amen. amen. But the world is gripped with fear when you speak about Jesus, Right. One of those reasons could be sin, right? Sin condition. Anytime our sin is confronted with the holiness of Jesus, that can spark some fear. But this is where it takes loving, caring shepherds, people who will walk them and lead them to the throne room of Jesus and say, this is a safe place. God is not going to burn you up. You just think about inviting people to church on January 13th when you invite them to church. You're going to get some responses like this. Oh, I can't go to church. That place will get struck by lightning. Has anyone ever said that to you? Right? Oh, I can't go into the church. That place, the walls will start shaking. Right? Or, or whatever they're going to say. There, there's something in them that laid his son's life down on the clock into a place like this. And it's not the building and it's not the doors. It's the love of Christ that abounds in this place. It's the love of Christ that there it truly is the, the, the clash of the titans. It truly is light and dark having this crazy head-on collision crash. But here's the thing, light will always win. And so many people are afraid of that impact. And here's the thing, friends, it is our job to ensure them that that impact is not going to be that cataclysmic devastation that they're expecting. It's going to be actually an entrance into a new life. It's actually going to be an interest into this, this new relationship with the God of heaven who loves them. This is what we're presenting to the world. Why the world fears Jesus is no revelation, right? They haven't had the, heard the true message of the good news. And this is why you and I, it's our job to be carriers of this good news, just like these shepherds were, to share that which has been shared with us, with the world around us, so that they can have a knowledge that, you know what, maybe it isn't like what I'm expecting. Maybe it isn't like what I'm thinking. Or even this, maybe it isn't like what I've experienced in the past. If you've been a part of the church world for any amount of time, you've probably been hurt at some, in some level. And unfortunately, because we are people and we're not perfect, it, 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 it can happen. It shouldn't happen intentionally. The church is supposed to be a hospital for the broken. It's never supposed to be a place where people get wounds inflicted upon them. And if it has happened to you, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry on behalf of the church. I'm sorry on behalf of God. But I'm telling you, that was not God's intention for his church. Well, you're going to have to find yourself in a place that you know that God is a loving God. And you're going to have to respond to the world around you that you see. And this is why it's important. Friends, if you're a part of Restoration LA, you should know this. If you're a visitor, I want you to, to have an understanding. This is why we build relationally. This is why we build with connection so that you know me and I know you. And if I walk through that door on a Sunday morning and I got a backpack here and a kid over here and I walk through and I don't say hi to you in the morning, that doesn't mean the pastor hates your guts. That just means pastor had a lot to do and he could probably missed you. And, and you don't have to leave offended because I didn't say hi. Right. And that's a very small thing. I know there's worse things that have taken place in the church. But the reason why relationship is important is because you know me. You know, a thousand times before, I would be the one to say, hi, how are you? How you doing? I would be the one who wanted to connect with you. Relationships are key in the kingdom. No revelation. We need to bring that revelation. We are the revealers of truth to people. Right? God has revealed himself to us, and it's our job as messengers of the Lord to reveal Jesus to others. Can you do that? How many of you are wanting to do that? Number three is this. Jesus is the treasure we seek. So the good news comes to the angels from the, to the um, shepherds through the angels. And then the angels say what? Let us get up and go. Let us go. Let us go find this Savior. Let us find this Savior that has been revealed to us. That's the only true response that comes to a, to a, a true revelation. And when I mean a true revelation, when God has truly revealed himself to you, there's only one response, and that's obedience. You got to do it. And I think for some of you in the life of our church in this season, God is saying, all right, now's the time. It's been revealed to you. Now it's time to do it. For some of you this morning, God is knocking on the, on, on the, on the door of your heart this morning. And he's saying, I want to reveal myself to you in new ways. I want to reveal myself to you in new ways. I had things for you and your future there's doors I want to open for you, but you're going to have to grab a hold of this revelation. I'm revealing myself to you so that you can take this revelation and go find me. This is what the, what the shepherds did. Angel revealed, gave them a message. They said, let us get up and go. Let us go find this Jesus that has been revealed to us. And what happens? They go, they seek out this Jesus. They seek out this baby that was to be born in a manger. And what happens? They find him. They find him. And this is what I love about God. God doesn't play hide and seek with us, right? God isn't trying to hide himself from us. God wants to reveal himself to us. Our heart condition is going to be the determining factor of whether we're going to receive that revelation, right? Matthew 7, chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, say this. Ask, say ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, say seek, and you will find knock say knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks listen to this friends receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened this is the god that we serve is it is it is it any wonder that when the when the shepherds went to this manger that they found jesus 
Of course it's not a question. He was going to be there because this is what God does. He says this is what's going to happen. And when we walk out in obedience, it comes to fruition because God is a truth teller. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to send you on some wild goose chase. And at the end of the road, you're going to be like, all right, you got me. He reveals himself. He shows himself. Knock. Seek. You're going to find. I promise you this. Jesus promises you this. Listen to this, verse 9. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? So, I mean, which, what kind of parent, if their, if their child was hungry, says, can, we, can I have some bread? That the parent would be like, yeah, here's a rock. Suck on that. It'll, it'll quench your thirst. Like, that's not what parent, good parents do. At least in today's world. I grew up in a different time. Yeah, our, our, our pop rocks were like real rock. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> Verse 10. Or if he asks, this is, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? Now, I want to bring this into the context of Christ. Those who ask for Christ receive Christ. I said this a long time ago, and I've used it quite a bit, and I, I, prob- I probably got it from somewhere else, but those who want more of Jesus, get more of Jesus. How many of you want more of Jesus? No, how many of you really want more of Jesus? So here's the three-step pattern. Number one, you need to ask. If you want more of Jesus, you need to ask. Beyond asking, here's what you need to do. You need to seek. You need to get up and go. You need to look for Jesus. And he's not playing peekaboo with you, but he is found on the journey. And the third is this. Knock and knock and knock and knock. My Mackenzie does this. She asks and asks and knocks and knocks until she wears us down. All right, fine then. You can have it. Not always a good thing. But she's persistent. And she knows her daddy's heart. She's going to wear me down. And I'm not saying God can be manipulated by your emotions and by you. But when you seek, God is ready to give. Listen to this. C.S. Lewis said this. Look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else. This is that Matthew 6.33 passage. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. What things will be added unto you? All of these things. What are all of these things? Well, the context of that scripture is speaking about, hey, don't worry about the clothes on your back. Don't worry about the roof over your head. Don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of those things are going to come to you. This is the truth of Jesus coming to earth. This is the truth of Emmanuel coming, that every need for the human condition, listen to me, friends, was met by Jesus. He is the sign that we've been looking for. There's nowhere else to look. 
Maybe this morning you've been operating under your own power. Using your own strength, your own abilities to to get the things in life that you need to get where you believe that you're going. And you keep running up against this wall. You keep running up against the wall financially. You keep running up the wall relationally. You keep running up against the wall in, 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 in all the spheres of your life. And here's, here's the reason why. Our life will never truly be satisfied until it's satisfied by the one who created us. And his name is Jesus. When the angels sent the shepherds to the manger to find the savior of the world. It was a sign that would echo throughout all eternity until Christ returns. That he is a thing that we desperately need to be seeking until the second coming. Are you still looking? Are you still seeking? And I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about every moment, every hour, every day of your life. Eyes fixed on Christ. The Savior of the world. Would you please stand with me this morning? If you guys wouldn't mind closing your eyes for a second. I'm praying and trusting that each of you has an amazing Christmas season. I pray the next couple of days... You find yourself surrounded by people who love you, people who celebrate you. But I also pray that you're able to be a light in every arena that you enter over the next couple of days. And that you're able to, in some way, shape, or form, invoke the light of Christ, the Savior of the world the King of kings and the Lord of lords into those arenas. There's going to be presents flying and tamales being unwrapped. But friends, let's not miss the opportunity. The opportunity when all eyes are already set on him to bring recognition recognition to him who is seated on the throne. This morning, I don't know where each of you stands with the Lord, but I know that every time we get together, there's an opportunity because the presence of God is here. The Bible says when two or more are gathered, that he is in our midst. He is in our midst. Presence of God is here for you. And I believe he wants to reveal himself. If this morning you are not in a relationship with the loving God of heaven that is secured by the sacrifice that was made by his son Jesus on the cross, I would love to invite you into that relationship. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now listen, that's the entry point into your relationship with Christ. That's the starting point. If you have never done that and would like to do that this morning, I would love to pray with you. Every eye is closed. No one's looking at you. and We're not going to do anything weird. I want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, I would just love for you to raise your hand so we can pray. I want you to know that when you leave this place, that you are in a loving relationship with God. 
Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you, bro. Awesome. I see your hand as well. Thank you. If you've raised your hand, I, want, I would love for you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that you came to this earth. I recognize that you lived a perfect life. And you ultimately gave up that life. You died for me on that cross. And I thank you for your sacrifice. I ask forgiveness for my sins. I turn from those sins. And I choose to turn to you, the Son of God. I want to live for you. Thank you for writing my name on the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus this morning, church. Listen, if you said that prayer this morning and you meant it with your heart, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that the salvation of the Lord has visited you this morning and that your relationship with Jesus starts today. It's a starting point. It's not the end. It's not finished. You just got it started. So here's the key. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. This is why God puts us in families. This is why he puts us in churches so that we can have people to walk with us, to encourage us. When we stumble, they're there to help pick us up, and you're there to help pick them up. This is what the family of God does. So, man, let's celebrate that. As far as I can tell, at least two people gave their life to the Lord this morning. That's awesome. Um, Uh, if, I can, if I can have the ushers come up, we're going to take our offering. Uh, and I do have one more announcement for you, and I think this is a really exciting announcement. We're going to put this on our website, and it will actually be um, presented um, over the next couple of weeks. So how many of you want to start your 2019 in a better, a better financial situation? Yeah? How many of you want to approach your finances differently than you did in 2018? Right? Okay. So listen, January 20th and January 27th, we are going to be doing financial workshops. Financial workshops, listen, by a certified financial counselor who does these counseling workshops for UCLA and other universities. Her name is Elizabeth Rowan. Uh, she's an amazing friend of Vanessa's eyes and our church, and a good friend of Joe's as well. She is going to be here, uh, and she is going to give us two financial workshops about practical finances, um, for all the way from from you know watching your checkbook to investments. She is a brilliant mind. But listen, families, if you want to see your financial situation change, it takes steps of faith, and steps of faith means we got to change some of the bad patterns that we're doing. And so this is one of those times for you to look at your finances practically. Listen, it's not a get-rich program. This isn't, hey, you're going to invest in the Restoration LA financial hedge fund. None of that stuff. This is you being disciplined with your finances. So if you're saying, man, I need something like that. If you and your husband, you and your wife need to say, I need something. Singles, young people, 
you need this class as well. So we want to invite you out. It's going to be two morning workshops, 9.30 to 12. We'll, we'll serve lunch. Uh, we'll start taking sign-ups um, beginning next week. So if you want to be involved in that, we'll present that to you guys. Uh, how many of you think that's a good thing? Yeah. All right. I expect to see you all there. Saturdays. Oh, I'm sorry. The, excuse me. 19th and the 26th. Sorry, guys. Saturdays. Saturday mornings, 9.30 to 12, each of those mornings. Yeah. Good? Perfect. Thank you. Um, Lord, we take up this offering. And, uh, Lord, I know in this season of giving, most finances are absolutely stretched. But, Lord, I pray that we will always be a people who put you first. Lord, that our, our offerings, our tithes are set aside far before we give our money to other places. We give in faith. We give uh, in obedience of just knowing that we trust you in this area of our life with our finances. Lord, bless those who give. Lord, I pray uh, abundant blessings over everyone in the life of this church, God. Everyone who is here this morning, I pray that they begin to experience financial freedom in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bless you as you give. Hey, there should be a bunch of treats out there with some coffee. Enjoy. Listen, we'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. I hope you all come. Uh, be here early because, listen, there's going to be a lot of guests here. And here's what I'm, I'm asking for us as leaders especially. If we take the back seats and let our visitors come and take the front seats. Uh, and then let's park uh, as far away as we can, again, so that our visitors can have the, the, the preferable parking. It's going to be a great night. It starts at 6 p.m. Choir, 3.30. Drama team, 4.30. We love you guys. See you soon.